All right, everyone, welcome to episode 58 of Tunes Mate. I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And Ray, today we are going to reflect back on Joel Whitburn. And he recently passed away. And he has a lot of significance to this podcast, to the blog, to everything that represents Tunes Mate. Yeah, yeah. Joel uh, passed away back in June. Um, he was uh, 82, year, 82 years old. I think folks near him had known he'd kind of, you know, been, his health hadn't been the greatest in recent years. So wasn't completely surprised when it happened, but it was still kind of a, a blow. You know, Joel is fundamental to what we do here at Tunes Made. I wrote about it when he passed away up on the site. And we really, I don't know that we'd even be doing, I, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing on Tunes Made if it weren't for Joel. I remember back, I was working radio at my local uh, hometown radio station back in high school in the late 80s. This would have been like 89. And they had a book in there called Top Pop Singles, 1955 to 1986. And I, I, was, into, you know, I was into the charts. I, I had a subscription to Billboard or was just about to start getting one at that point. I listened to American Top 40 every week. And I saw that book and I just started looking at it and looking through it. And just about every day that I went to work radio, I, and I used to work like the Sunday morning or Saturday morning shift, I uh, I would be perusing parts of that book, just learning pop music history, you know, learning stuff you didn't know, like songs you thought went to number one that didn't go to number one. Artists like Bruce Springsteen or Bob Dylan, who never went to number one. Uh, just how many times the Beatles went to number one, how many top 10 hits, uh, you know, Buffalo Springfield might have had or, you know, you name it. Right. And, and I learned who had it. It was Joel Whipper. And so by the time the next edition came out in 1990, it was uh, 1991. This was the edition that went through 1990. I had learned how to contact, uh, you know, this is pre-internet. So I learned how to contact Record Research was, is the name of the company. And I, I bought the next book. I bought that version. And we in college used to call it the Bible, right? It was what we used to look yeah. up, look up uh, you know, what song did what and who had what hit and all that other kind of stuff. And so it really kind of got a lot of our conversations going back then. Yeah. And fascinating. I remember the first time I saw it was when you introduced it. And what I always thought was interesting is... As you said, it was this is pre-internet, which most people can't really remember. But you would just open the book, point at something random, and instantly I would learn something new. Whether it was, you know, Phil Collins, you know, how many songs that he had that perhaps bubbled under, or you looked and there was like four or five pages of Elvis Presley, and you're like, I. <laughs> didn't realize Elvis had this many hits. How did this happen? I only know the, you know, his, his top 20 or, or, or the, the greatest. So just the book would always, like you said, spark conversations and create a lot of knowledge that you had no idea. And I really think it sparked this continual curiosity about music. Yeah, it really, um, I mean, I, I, it really helped propel mine. I, I think I had the, the curiosity there and and just finding it, it. It like you said, you would learn stuff. I used to just read through it and look through it and you know, find an artist or find a letter and start looking at the artists and and then as it would go on, right? So I went years without getting another copy and then finally in two thousand twelve 
I bought I bought another one, and then I've got the the latest one that goes through 2018. And you know, in I went through a period there from like the late 90s through you know mid 2010s where I really kind of wasn't into music as much. And so now I'm learning about that whole period. And I mean, I knew a lot of the big hits, but you know, learning just like what happened and who did what and and the other thing it reflects is is chart changes too so you know we've talked i've talked repeatedly on this on this podcast about one of the problems of understanding pop music history and pop chart history is that you can't compare eras the chart works differently and so you know we remember back when you know the chart changed in november of 1991 and you know it radically affected how songs move up and down the chart and then that's changed in the time since then so in like 2000 and, uh, or in 1998 they changed it to, so that it didn't have to just have it, just, it didn't have to be released as a single and then i think it was in 2008 they changed the chart so that it would count uh, digital sales in a, or at least in a way that they hadn't before and i mean these things have changed the chart significantly and so today you know, in today's chart, Drake will release a new new album and or, and like suddenly have six six new top ten hits. You know, and yeah. and five of which fall out of the top ten the next week because they just got hits for that first week. And then there was one of them that's the actual like hit right now. And then a couple of them might come back later when they're the the contemporary hit. And you know, back in the eighties, that's not how it worked. You know, Madonna released one song at a time or occasionally you'd have two songs at a time uh by the top artists new kids on the block did that once madonna did it michael jackson did it, it you know occasionally you'd have some folks that would have two at a time but you wouldn't have like this you know i'm going to suddenly have 13 new top 40 hits and so his books reflect that and i say books because you know we, we're talking about his flagship book the top pop singles book but uh he he really turned that uh joel turned that into a whole variety of other things. So um, just recently, in fact, just in the spring, I purchased the top country singles book, top adult contemporary and adult chart singles book, and the top modern and album rock singles book. And I already had the the top R&B singles book. And so these are, and I, actually I shouldn't even say singles. Some of those are tracks and not to the, the rock one especially, but you know, but he cataloged those charts that were that have been part of Billboard history too. And there's a dance one too that I almost bought. And and then he, he's also got ones where you can actually get a book with the charts for the 80s or the 70s or the 60s or the 90s. And and those are cool. And I've actually I haven't actually bought one, but I've had it out of the out of the uh, university library here. And and it's really cool to look through that because you can it's the Hot 100 for like every hot 100 of the 1980s and you go through like one by one by one and you just see you know the progression of songs and what did what when and and he really uh i mean if you're a, a chart enthusiast pretty much i mean you owe a debt of gratitude to to joe whitburn because he professionalized the whole idea of doing this of following the charts and and being interested in cataloging who did what and you know what were people's hits and and who uh, has the most of this and that and the other thing. Yeah, it's just amazing that, you know, his love of collecting records led him to found his own company. And he said it was, you know, record research. And then he just started 
referencing all these popular music charts and formed that relationship with Billboard. And, and then here we are. And it's interesting how just a passion you have, you know, I, I love, I love collecting, you know, albums that it led to him creating this career. And then, like you said, spurring it an entire industry. And what I always found interesting about just the billboard chart after observing you and being part of this, I guess, podcast and, and blog, it's just this idea that songs can go up, they can go down, they, they can have bullets, which means they're rising. And this whole kind of chart mentality, which many of us just, you know, we're streaming music or, or not really thinking about it. But when popular culture, like Stranger Things, starts playing specific songs, then they surge up the chart and then they do have relevance. So it is interesting how this really is a kind of a barometer of the culture. Yeah, I think that that puts it well. The idea is a barometer of the culture. I, as, a, as a chart enthusiast, I had to go through a sort of learning curve in the early 90s, realizing, you know, lot, there are lots of other people, kind of like you said, you just stream songs, you don't really pay attention to the you know, what, what hit what, or, you know, how, who's doing what this week on the chart, you might, some people might listen to like American top 40 or something. And, but it's more just to hear what the latest songs are and, you know, rock, you know, rock out or dance out to them, or just, you know, just listen to them. And so you, that, that idea is a barometer of a culture. I've I learned over time that the charts are really, I think, best thought of as a, a reflection of what the, popular music of that moment was. So you look back at a week in say 1993 and, you know, whether something was number one or number two or number three, you know, isn't quite as important as these are the songs that were significant at this time. And so we've talked about before the idea that, you know, there are great songs that did not go to number one. And there are songs that hit number one that maybe kind of weren't so great either. And just they got real popular for a while. I think we talked about uh, Harry Styles, uh, his not his new album, but the one before it. You know, Adore used the big song off of that, but it didn't hit number one. But Watermelon Sugar did for one week. And, you know, so for, for one week, it it really like had this surge of popularity, whereas Adore You had this much longer arc of popularity that really lasted throughout the year. And um, and you can you can look back at any number of other examples like that. I think uh, uh, one of our early podcasts, um, we were talking about songs and we talked about Sheryl Crow. And I remember you were like, oh, yeah, you know, all I want to do that hit number one. And I was like, actually, no, it hit number two. And it was held out by End of the Road by Boys to Men. Right. And, you, you know, you think of that Sheryl Crow song. Well, of course, it would hit number one. I mean, it was like, that was like on the radio, like it's still on the radio all the time. Right. You know, it's. It was a huge hit. It was a big deal. It was it really put Sheryl Crow on the map. But Boys to Men had that epic end of the road hit at that point that was on the number one for like 13 weeks or something and and just was dominating everything. And so, you know, it, it kind of to me, it's like you can go back in time and look at it and say, OK, here's what was popular then. And, and I think that the new billboard hot 100 chart maybe doesn't even serve that as well because a lot of songs don't hit that chart uh it's, it's based so heavily on um streams and you know clicks and downloads that 
like I said, you know, an, an artist will release a song and suddenly have, you know, six new top 10 and 13 new top 40 hits and, you know, 11 of which like fall off the top 40 the next week. Uh, whereas, and there's stuff that's getting all kinds of airplay, but isn't even hitting the hot 100. And so, uh, but like you said, then we also see, see it though, as a, a reflection of other things that are going on in the culture. So uh, like your example of stranger things, you know, Kate Bush, uh, has the biggest hit of her life. I mean, it just finally this past week fell out of the top 10, uh, running up that hill after, a you know, several months stay there because of stranger things, um, became an epic hit for her really kind of like I wrote out on the blog, you know, it, it kind of answers the question of what song from the eighties would uh, be a hit today. Uh, but you know, Metallica had another top 40 hit, right? So, you know, they, they featured, um, master of puppets in, uh, stranger things and, you know, it hit the top 40. And so, uh, in some ways it's kind of a, a reflection of the culture in that way still too. And so to me, that's, that's what the legacy of Joel Whitburn is. And it's interesting you mentioned because he, he really, yeah, did get started. He was, a, he was, he worked in the record industry. He was a avid record collector, you know, and he, and to this day, record research has like this, this vault of 45s and, um, and LPs and stuff that he, he just collected. And, and that, you know, was a part and parcel of his books too, because uh, the the old top pop singles would also tell you uh, back in the day it would tell you what the va- what the, the the sort of street value of a forty five oh, yeah he used to tell you like three bucks or twenty bucks or something right so you could tell that if you owned that forty five you know w- how much that was worth and I mean it, and it shows that was a vital part of his interest there that's right and it's it's so interesting that his legacy will continue. Uh, just because he's instilled this idea of following the chart and, and understanding the importance of it. I mean, I recently saw you posted a Barry Manilow song and it was called Old Julie. And I I think I remember hearing it. And I was looking at it and I was like, it's one of those songs again where it barely made the top 40. And you don't even think about Barry Manilow and that song together. At least I don't. I, I think of Copacabana and... Mm-hmm. You know, I write the songs. I don't think of O Julie. Right, right. That's yeah. That is one of the interesting things. And we used to be. I mean, I remember back in college, we used to be fascinated. We'd look and we'd be like, "Oh my God, look at these 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 like minor hits that so and so had." Right. You know, this one went to thirty eight, and this one went to twenty seven. And yeah, you're right. You know, so it it kind of it it keys you in. And the books help do this because if you just look at mm-hmm. charts, you're not going to see this because the book will give you an artist and what they did it keys you into those things that, wow, look at these other songs and, and sometimes would inspire you to go look at some of these other songs by an artist, like, you know, whether it's Barry Manilow or, you know, whoever. And, and, uh, and that's, that's one of the, again, great things that top pop singles is that it brings together that collection and shows you, uh, you know, just what each artist has done and allows you to kind of explore with that. Well, it's definitely inspired tunesmate and the way we think about music and we hope that what we're showing you through this podcast and blog is inspiring you to go out and search for those songs i mean i was even thinking the other day i don't know how many years has been since george michael passed away but there's so many songs by george michael you hear but you don't hear a deep cut like i'm your man by wham 
you know, it just it doesn't happen. But it actually was yep. one of their bigger songs. It, yep. it, it went top five, but you, you don't hear it. So I think as we continue to reflect back and honor Joel, we will continue to keep posting and showing you these songs that you forgot about. And I think that's what Joel was always fascinated about was how these artists and these songs can impact you. And I think that's why he collected all that music. Yeah. It seemed to me that, you know, he was just, uh, he, he, he loved seeing that stuff. And if you have the similar love that you were going to find Joel Whippern and, and his legacy lives on and record research is going to keep going. Uh, the other folks there have said, you know, we're going to keep, Joel's uh, baby gone here and and I'm gonna I mean I'm probably gonna keep buying stuff there and you know if you haven't checked it out it's just recordresearch.com it's you know if you're interested in music in pop music history or pop charts at all this is you're gonna you're gonna love this thing and you you know you'll you'll find just how, what great work Joel did for 50 years yeah and I still have my original top pop singles book and I do plan on getting the latest and greatest one just to complete the collection. It is interesting just to crack it open and go through it sometimes. I know the internet is there. I know I can search for everything. It's just something about still opening a book that keeps the imagination moving forward with music. Well, for everyone here at Tunesmate, we appreciate you once again subscribing, following, all that good stuff. And I know we've got some more interviews coming up around the way. Thank you for tuning in. And Ray, I know we're starting to get closer to the end of the year. So as I know, you've probably got your (laughs) top songs for 2022. And I know I've been keeping track of mine. So I know that's definitely episode in the future. And there's always something that's being featured, whether it is Five years ago, I saw the Taylor Swift that was posted. I really enjoyed the the Without Us. I, I totally remember Family Ties, but I always forget that it was Johnny Mathis and Denise Williams, at least for a period there, that theme song. Yeah, that was a fun one to put up. I it was I I, I was singing the song all all day after posting that one. And and yeah, they, they had uh, somebody else did it for the first like 10 episodes. And then the 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 one that lasted was uh, Johnny Mathis and Denise Williams. And I mean, that's just, that's one of my favorite. I, I, I love TV theme songs and I sing tons of TV theme songs all the time. And, but that's one of my favorites. There's just a, a real good feel to that song. And yeah, that was a lo- fun one to put up. Yeah, as always just enjoy reflecting back and that's what we do here. So once again, thank you for following thank you for subscribing and for everyone here tunes mate i'm mark and i'm ray and we will see you next time